Welcome back, everyone, to the Teacher Talk podcast. This is CJ Reynolds, and I wanted to remind you that my new book came out. Teacher Class Off, The Real Rap Guide to Teaching is now available at Amazon and on barnesandnoble.com. And it would be available at B. Dalton bookstores if they still existed. Alas, it does not. So if you do end up getting the book, if you would please, please, please leave a comment thing on Amazon, a review rather, that would really mean the world to me. It helps the book get to more people. And that's it. Without further ado, here's this week's episode of Teacher Talk. Peace. Welcome to Real Rap with Reynolds Teacher Talk with your host, C.J. Reynolds. Oh, no. How am I supposed to do this? I don't know. Do I have to smile during the video? No. Uh, you don't really smile very That's much. That's what I'm so. saying. My face is getting tired. <laughs> Good evening, everyone. It's uh, Sunday, so it's Teacher Talk Sunday, and I'm here tonight with my friend. I'm going to keep saying this so that people know what's going on. This is Christina Cho, and she works at my school at Boys Latin. So before I have you introduce yourself, I'm going to talk a bunch because then everyone that is going to jump on is going to miss what we're talking about. So um, it's the end of the year, and I'm sick, and I am tired, sick and tired. There it is. So it's like in the U.S., we finished on Thursday was our last day, mm -hmm. technically, right? And then we have um, like graduation and stuff like that this week, but there's not much going on. Um, so this is part where I say hi to everybody that's on here. Like uh, Ansley Lowe, and I say everyone's name wrong because I can never. <laughs> um, Amir Williams is watching. Uh, and I, that's one of our students too, but I don't know who that is uh b is for belief patricia sarah childs what's up and then i'm your williams selena what's up everybody so it's i am wondering i ask this all the time but real quick in the comments when are you finished school oh school's out bonus fiddle fiddle i'm gonna ask you fiddle. how to say people's names it's definitely bonus I'm, fiddle um <laughs> english teacher so what's up melissa Reynolds, we finished classes this week. Uh, working on report cards, fun times. Yo, that's so. There's there's a whole video on that on how you like, and not I'm not saying that you're doing this, but I'm just thinking of how like new teachers a lot of times like give assignments right up until the end, and then they're like crushed with grading stuff, yeah. and and like you just can't get it all done, and then you start freaking out. And I'm always telling people to just throw things away. I'm like, just don't grade that assignment. It's not really going to make that big of a difference. And it doesn't mean the kid didn't learn just because you didn't grade it. I mean, maybe it means that, but there's a chance that it doesn't. So, uh, yeah, the 24th, um, I'm French, but we, are you, so are you in, Pure X, are you in France then? Three things, Luis Lopez, what's up? Uh, Friday before, we were out the Friday before Memorial Day. Holy heck. Melissa, we're, where do you teach? Are you like in Arizona or something like that? I feel like those folks get out super yeah. early. And when do you go back? Yes, I'm in France. Okay. Uh, so is France finished school soon? Or do you guys, do you all go like all summer? I love this stuff. I love finding out what people are doing. Like New Zealand only gets like a couple weeks off a year. And only like a week at a time. They don't have like a summer break like we do. Sarah Child says Kansas gets out in mid-May. Wow. What? 
So I feel like. But that's New Mexico. That's my mom. Yeah, but it's hotter down there, right? Isn't that why? Uh, that's why I always thought. I always thought Florida got out earlier because it was hot there. You're like the invisible person in the conference. You could really not exist right now. Like, <laughs> like years later, people will find out like Reynolds' wife wasn't even there. He hallucinated. <laughs> um, but um, you know who is here? Christina Cho is here. Oh. Uh, and so for, for people that are just tuning in, I'll say this again later, but so at my school, we have, we are an all boys school in West Philadelphia. I've talked about this before, but if you're new to the channel, um, it's an inner city school. It has all the problems that inner city schools have. And so I thought one of the things I'd like to start doing is having different people's takes because I'm on here every week and I'm answering questions. But Cho has found, a, I think, her own way of dealing with a lot of the madness that goes on in teaching, but in a much different way than I do. And one of the things that I love talking about with new teachers especially is that you don't have to be, first of all, there's no map. To success, right? There's no one can give you a map and say, if you do these procedures, if you do this, 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 and this, you're going to be successful. It never works like that. There's a thousand ways to succeed. And so, whereas funny and doing weird stuff, Cho is like the opposite of that. If you look at her face right now, you can see that she's clearly the opposite. <laughs> she asked if she asked if she had to smile the whole time that we were on. Um, but not and I don't mean that in a bad way in the least. I think it's very authentic to who she is and the way are you laughing over there? <laughs> yes. um, I think she's extremely authentic to who she is. And the kids always say, like, who do you hang out with outside of school? And I'm like, I hang out with Cho the most. And they just crack up because they're like, no. Is she the same way out of school? I'm like, oh yeah, that's why I, and I <laughs> drive her crazy when I play. What's my Pandora station I like playing? Oh, no, don't. You and Yonkers. Don't. Maybe we could do that. Tonight. No. Um, <laughs> someone on here is going to know because they reminded me before. So I played the, I, whoever that guy is that sang the Karate Kid theme song. She likes when I sing to her and stuff. And then my <laughs> wife laughs, which just makes me want to do it even more. And then Cho gets angry, which makes me want to do it even more, more. But so I thought, for tonight, maybe um, if you have questions about what it is like to be a female teacher or have that take if you don't like, so some of you are female teachers and you know, I like it. I think it's, I just think it's a more full conversation than just coming from me. That was my, my idea behind this evening. So could you real quick just say like, who are you, where are you from, where you teach or like what you teach and like any other pertinent information? Okay, so... I, I'm Christina Cho. Everyone calls me Cho. I don't respond to Christina. So if you want to ask me any questions. About Chris. Cho. No, absolutely not. Chris. <clears throat> sorry. I teach, well, currently I teach ninth grade biology, but I'm moving into 10th grade chemistry next year. Um, I'm the science department chair, partial registrar. Like I deal with some scheduling stuff around the building. Um, I manage a bee club, a gardening club, and I'm also moving into a more disciplinarian style role next year um, and eventually planning on moving into that completely and out of the classroom. Um, I've been teaching for six years, only in West Philadelphia, or no, only in Philadelphia. I taught for two years at New Media, which is a charter school that closed down a few years ago. Um, and then I came to Boys Latin and I never left, fell in love with it. Now you wear their shirts all the time. And now I wear their shirts all the time. Oh, um, thank you. Wow, you guys are both rocking the school right now. <laughs> uh, so 
was your growing up anything like where you teach now? So where I teach now, no. I grew up in, um, I guess, I would say I would classify my family as lower middle class, um, but I grew up in the suburbs, right? So not at all urban. Um, but I grew up in a household where education was literally the only way out for us. And, um, my mom made me, you know, for lack of a better term, do well in school. Um, and so I think that that has allowed me to push the kids in in a way that is very authentic to the way that I grew up. Um, how so? Just the way that I, I mean, you see me interact with the kids at school, right? I'm very strict and I, I don't take any BS uh, from any of the students and I treat them all exactly the same. And that's exactly how my mom raised me was, there was no BS. You didn't play around when it came to your education and you pushed yourself as hard as you can. Um, so I don't mean to, do you have questions? Well, okay. Ahead. Uh, I don't mean to slight anyone that has not stuck around in our school. Like, I don't mean to sound like, like we're better or something like that, but what do you think has been the thing that is like, made it so that you do stick around like you were tfa right yeah so you had your two years of service why why stick around and, and how were you able to do it yeah i mean i so i started off as teach for america um i was that you know applicant who was like oh i'll just get two years in and then put it on my resume and go find a job somewhere else maybe go to med school do something like that um and the longer i've worked in education the more I've come to value those relationships that I do build with kids, very different from the ones that you build with them, but um, really strong relationships nonetheless. And then seeing that growth throughout the years, I don't think that it doesn't matter what I do. I couldn't find something that is the equivalent of that. Like that feeling of seeing a kid be successful um, after learning, you know, something or some skill from me. And my having been able to contribute to their journey is just so valuable. I, I, I never want to give it up. It's, it's hard. It yeah. makes you want to strangle kids sometimes. Yeah, but, uh, most of the time. And then the last thing I want to ask, and then we'll get into folks' questions, is what is what has been your experience? Because it, it this is a question I get asked all the time. And, and so even when the St. Joe's students come in and stuff, they always say, do you have any female teachers that we could see? So for those of you that don't know, there's colleges from the area that send their students to our school. I get a lot of them and they, a lot of times if they're, they're usually young female uh, future teachers and they ask, is there a successful female teacher in the school? And like, what, what's been their experience? And like, could, could we see that? And so I always send them to Cho's room as one of the rooms I send them to. And so what has been your experience being in a woman in an all boys school? I was true to me, right? So I knew exactly how I wanted to run my classroom and what felt right for me. Um, but I didn't know how it was going to be received by students. And I think that I had to do a lot of work. Um, about what it means to respect a woman um, and what that looks like. And I, so I think there was, there was some struggle there and there still is a lot of struggle in terms of getting students to see me um, in the same way, I think, as they're like, or 
equal way as they see their male teachers and male administrators and whatnot. Um, but it's really just, I draw a really hard line of where our relationship can go up until, and then if it reaches any point beyond that, then I cut it off real quick and I make sure to uh, make that clear for them. Cut it off. I cut it off. (laughs) I do. Uh, I think that is true. And so let's do, I have more questions, but are you ready? Can I take this? Yeah. All right. So uh, she beauty vlogs is asking, is there any way that you could let future teachers observe uh, your first day of school? Oh, that's really interesting. Observe your first day of school. I know this isn't something many teachers would like to do, but I would like to observe for that first day. So that's a really interesting idea, even for a video. Um, so I'm going to answer your question, but I am going to say that my friend, uh, Darren, who's Darren Nakihara, has a channel on YouTube. He live streams his first day of school, yeah, which... For parents, yeah, I don't think it goes out to the public. No. But the idea there is that students often come home from the first day of school or from school in general, and they say, you know, parents ask, hey, how was your day at school? And then the kids are like, it was fine. What did you do today? Nothing. And I'll say my channel, one of the things parents, like, email me about is that they get a glimpse inside the classroom sometimes, and they really love that because they know they drop their kid off and they pick them up, but they don't know what that day looks like for them all the time. Yeah. And how enjoyable that is for them so i would do that i don't care like i i think when i was younger i wouldn't do that when i started teaching because i'd be too embarrassed now i just don't care and i think my first day is on lock enough that i would be able to to do that do you think that's something would you feel awkward if some stranger was in the space i'm always happy to have observers um i feel like it keeps me on my toes too so i'm cool with it whenever as long as the school's all right with it. I, no, I don't know. I'll ask you. And I'm going to trust that you're being authentic, but because you lie a lot. But um, <laughs> how do you feel when people come into your room? Do you feel like you do you change at all when folks come into your room? No, I'm perfectly comfortable. I think that, and I don't know if it was just because like starting with Teach for America, I was just used to having people in my room like every other day and observing me and giving me feedback and criticisms. And I'm also just a person who likes criticism. So I'm perfectly comfortable with people being in my room, even if something goes completely wrong. Like that's a learning experience for both parties. Yeah, I just, I, I, I don't know what it is. I really, I like it. Uh, and part of it is I like when folks come to the school and they go to a bunch of different classes because it gives you more of a real sense. And that I feel like it's my job to give you a real sense of who I am. Yep. And there are certain things I don't do. Like I'll, I'll tone down, like I make fun of kids a lot, but, it, <laughs> but it's in like a, but, but it's in like a, like a loving way. But if you're an outsider coming in, you might hear something that I say and you're like, you can't say that <laughs> to a kid. So we have a student that looks like the kid from Good Burger and I call him Good Burger. Yeah. And I've had people that are like, doesn't that hurt his feelings? I'm like, no, you're not there. It's almost like with your brothers and sisters, like you can say and do things or with your, you know, spouse, you can like kid around with certain stuff and you know where, where the limits are and you don't cross those. But like, so I do dial some of that stuff down because um, I don't want to. There it is. Are you laughing at yes, that? Yes, I just saw so it's it. Cho's water bottle. It's filled with student. That's really it not. It speaks volumes to Cho. It speaks volumes about your <laughs> lack of hygiene. And, uh, what? <laughs> that's no, there's no way that's hydraulic. No. Um, so Kimberly Walbeck is saying, how long have you been a teacher? 
and six years. The dual part was uh, where did you go to college? I um, I've been teaching for six years, and I went to school at Colgate University for undergrad, and then UPenn for grad school. What at what point did you feel like you started having a little bit of an understanding? So it's funny. Part of me feels like I've been teaching forever, and part of me feels like I'm just getting started. Like there, like I feel like this year, year twelve was. I was let in on a lot of things that were, I'm, ex- I'm excited about the ne- It's not like oh, I've been doing this for 12 years. I'm really excited about the next 10 years of doing this because I'm starting to think, Oh, here's a whole lot of other stuff I could do and ways I can grow. Mm-hmm. At what point did you start feeling better about your teaching? I was actually thinking about that on my drive over here. Um, I'd say probably end of my fourth year, only because I feel like usually that mark is between the third and fourth year. You start to get comfortable with what you do in your classroom and like your content and things like that. Um, But because I had switched schools, that third year of my teaching was my first year of Latin. And so that was a bit of a tumultuous time period just because of the change. But then after that, I feel like toward that fourth year was when I was able to really like dig into, you know, getting myself used to what I was doing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, That makes sense. Uh, Luis Lopez or Luis Lopez, middle of moving from middle school to high school. Oh, that's interesting. Um, I'd like to learn more about the Odyssey unit and how your students write their stories. A brief talk about how you tie in speakers and trips units. So you do a lot of trips and you have a lot of people coming to. So I'm interested in what you would say about that. So first of all, um, am I saying is that Luis? Luis. So this why I have everyone has a nickname at school because I can't say anybody's <laughs> name right. I, so first of all, I will share my whole Odyssey lesson plan with you. So if you just email me at Real Rap with the Reynolds, I will send you that whole thing, and you can I'll give you all of my worksheets. And if you go on my YouTube channel, there's playlists, and I just started creating playlists for all the videos I use in different units. So when I teach the Odyssey, all of the different videos that I show in class, and when I teach Lord of the Flies and all the videos for that class as well. So I can send all that to you. The, the way, um, how do your students write their stories? So I have students, one of the things I have students do is we create life maps. And so the Odyssey is pretty much the story of like the most formative years, I think, of Odysseus and when he's traveling around the world and, and what these experiences mean to him and how they change him as a human being. And so we talk about in the beginning of the year, from birth till now, how did you get here? Like in 10 moments, what were the most formative things that ever happened to you? And I like doing this for a couple of reasons. One, there goes the boy. He's eating a giant thing of peanut butter. Yeah, he's starving and he ate all of our All right, kids went to the pool for three hours today and now they are starving. So we, uh, so when we do that, I get to share a bit of my story because I do that project. And then we do... And then it gives me a really great insight into students because kids share a lot of stuff like who was born, who died, where they live, are they in foster care, um, is someone locked up, are, are, is someone going to be locked up, is, what's the relationship like with their family, their friends, and it is, it, you can't put a value on it because it gives you a glimpse into inside the students' lives that right from the beginning of the year, like from that first week of school, you have a sense of like what someone's going through. One of the things I'm always talking about is 
we all have a story. And if you know someone's story, you're, you're far more equipped to, to discipline, to, to build a relationship with someone. Because if someone's acting a fool, but you find out that like their dad just got locked up, you're just going to act differently. You're not going to yell at them and say, Hey, stop being an idiot. You're going to say, Hey man, I'm really sorry about like what you're going through. And it gives us a level of empathy. So I can send you that whole project and tell you how I do it. So just email me and I'll hook you up with that. And then the, the trips and speaker, all right. So hopefully the administration's watching <laughs> uh, the trips and speakers are stretched sometimes, right? I can pull them into my lesson plans. And I feel like your trips and speakers fit totally into your lessons. Yeah. I, mine come more out of an urgency of like one, I want school to be a place where you never know what's going to happen. That one day a DJ might be in there and you're walking into class. And you didn't know it was going to happen. And that I think that makes school more fun. Two, I think I just like doing stuff that's out of the ordinary because that makes school more fun as well. Three, I am not the I'm not the best at everything I do. I find my I like being the facilitator sometimes. So although I teach a hip hop class, I'm not like the aficionado on on hip hop, but I can get someone that break dances or someone that DJs or someone that MCs or does graffiti art pull them into my classroom. And then there's always an easy way to, to connect that. And I think the fourth thing is for me is I'd say when, so about the statistic that I heard is something you might know this better than I do. Like 90% of our boys do not have a dad that is around, right? They're like not a constant in their lives. That statistic wouldn't surprise me, but I don't know. So that, sure. that's what I was told from admin one time. And so and when asked, most of our boys don't have a positive male role model in their lives. So what I try to do, since we teach 99% African American boys, we have like four other kids that we pull in for brochures. So we look real diverse. And but in essence, it's um, African American males. And I just want to put someone that looks like you in front of you so you can see what you can become. And I really think that's important for kids to see someone that they can really identify with someone that came from the same place that they came from that, that did great stuff. And, and that's my other reason. Uh, this is when she tells me to move on to something. <laughs> so we got lots of questions. How do you, I'm sorry. I felt long. Sorry. You know, I am. <laughs> what is your, why, how do you pick, trips and and speakers and what's that look like in your class yeah i'll keep it pretty short um so we Rem have say again real quick i'm gonna interrupt you what classes do you teach right now so they have a sense of like what what you're doing so i i teach biology i will be teaching chemistry and i'm the science department chair so i kind of just oversee and manage all of the different classes speakers and field trips um and what i do is in the beginning of the school year i'll kind of sit down with my team and we'll talk about the connections that we have around the city maybe connections that new people are bringing to the table um figure out where within our unit plans it fits in and then we schedule them in as long as they're willing to come talk to us for free yeah i do you feel like I feel like free has very seldom been an issue. No, like I've most never people, like when you tell them that where you teach and what you're doing, mm -hmm. folks are all. I've occasionally someone will say like, "Can you pay for my Uber?" Yeah, and I'm like, "You got it. I'll pay you for your twelve dollar Uber. <laughs> yeah. You got it." Especially when you're trying to bring in like street artists or a DJ, it's like right. they're not like, you know, this is. I'm not having Banksy come in. You know, it's right. like where he's a gazillionaire. Like it's like regular folks that are just trying to hustle also. Mm -hmm. But I feel like most people do it for free. If you just ask my favorite way to do that is DMing people, right? This is Gary Vaynerchuk, uh, 
kind of model, but just DMing people because really when you're my age and you DM someone that's, I mean, I just, if you're not trying to hook up, no one sees a DM coming. I feel like that's what everyone uses DMs for is to yeah. hook up with people. And so it's like, Hey, I'm just trying to get you to come and speak at my class. And I feel like that's refreshing to people. So I like to think my wife's telling me to move on. Um, <laughs> Lindsay Spades is a great question. Lindsay says, once a coworker commented, quote, that class needs a man. They wouldn't behave like that for a man, end quote. Have you had similar comments? If so, how do you deal with them? And do you think gender makes a difference? I'm going to go first real quick because I get the comment all the time that it's easier for me because I am a man, especially in an all-boys school. And although I will say from the jump, I think maybe it is, okay. but I do not think that that is the the case because i've seen men come in that the boys gave their immediate respect to and then they find out someone's a clown and then they just diss them after that like or they and when i say clown i mean like there are people that have no business teaching that show up and i, and I don't usually like draw hard and fast lines like that but they'll show up and they're they're late every day they don't know how they're never prepared the class doesn't ever know what's going on there's zero consistency and those people end up getting chewed up also, no matter what they look like or where they're from. I mean, they could be from the same neighborhood and they're, the kids don't give them respect, but I think that's not the case. So have you, what's your, your experience been? I mean, I've never, I've never received that comment from, or the, that type of comment from coworkers. And I don't know if that was where it was directed from. They said a coworker said that to them. Yeah. That, I've never encountered that ever, ever. And I don't know what that's supposed to mean. Like, that's because you scare that, people, but... I mean, it's my goal in life. <laughs> but, yeah, I'm sorry you experienced that. I don't know who that was, but... Do you think it's easier for men to teach than women in our school, especially? I don't... I've never had problems, right? So, I mean, and I don't know if it's just because I have this, like, unique um, place that I came from or, like the way that I grew up or my personality in general, like whatever it is that I have going for me has been, you know, I've been lucky enough to, to be able to use that to my advantage. And so I've never experienced that really, maybe like one or two students here and there. Right. But like the general population, I've never had a problem with. So let me tell these two real quick stories. Cause I'm pretty sure this one had, to, I'll, I'll move on, dude. I'm, 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 all right, I'm hurrying on. <laughs> but I think they're really pertinent. Was it you that that one year, so freshmen have to do a summer program at our school before they become freshmen at our school. We had an assembly of all the freshmen. Was it you that was trying to talk that year and the kid wouldn't be quiet? He was like making jokes and carrying on. And I snapped and yelled at him in the middle of the entire assembly. No. And put him on blast. That wasn't you. And I feel like I he stopped because I was a guy. I feel, I feel like my voice was, was commanding enough. Freshman academy. Yeah. But... Can you real quick talk about that student when we had a meeting the other day? The mm -hmm. kid looks like Mike Tyson and DMX together. He walked in the room. He didn't do well. For, he failed for the year. Mm -hmm. And what that conversation looked oh. like. Because I think it was amazing. Oh, my God. That was when we were sitting in that little group, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So I have a student. Um, man, he came to me with some difficulties in terms of, you know, just general authority. But I think especially with female authority figures, um, and what I did was I was just really, really consistent with him. I had very consistent expectations and consistent conversations with him about my expectations and why I had those expectations for him. Um, that's another thing. I'm very 
open about, you know, the fact that I really do care about them, that I care about where they're going, what their futures look like. And that is why I am so strict with them and so hard on them. And this kid, there was an instance um, earlier this school year where he came in and had a whole fit in my room, kicked a trash can at another student, was throwing tables and chairs. And I have lab tables in my classroom, so those don't move easy. He was angry. Um, obviously, eventually we, we figured that situation out. On the last day of school, he came to me because he had failed his final and he was failing the class for the year with a 69%. And he looks at me and he says, Miss Cho, is there any way that you can bump me up so that I can pass for the year? But like in the calmest way. Yes. Like came respectful. in and I sat there and I it took I was taken aback. And the way that he said it, it was like, I'm humbly coming to you to right. ask you for this. Right. And it was almost like an awkward feeling at your, your friend's house and they're asking their mom for something <laughs> and you're just like, dude, this is weird. So then your response was what? So then I look at him and I said, you know, Isaiah, I, I don't feel comfortable bumping you up. I think that you could benefit from taking this class again um, and that, you know, I'm not going to do it. And he said, I respect that. Have a nice break. And that was Walked it. Away. I was like, holy crap, that was awesome. <laughs> it was like the child whisperer. It was awesome. <laughs> which sounds like a creepy title, but it doesn't happen very frequently. At the same time. This is an interesting question, too. This is Gonzalez Home Videos says, I asked my students to give me some feedback on our class. As I read through their responses, I am I am amazed. No, I am struggling. I am struggling. Sorry, the it was a typo. I find myself arguing my point. Any advice on how to deal with student feedback? Do you ask for student feedback? So in the very beginning of the school year, I just open the floor up because, like I said, I'm someone who just loves criticism, and kids know um, better about themselves than I do about them at that point, right? So. I tell them in the very beginning, if there's anything that I'm doing or if there's anything that you would like me to do in class that will help you learn this material better, please feel free to come and have a conversation with me. And there have been not very many, but there have been instances where students have come to me and said, hey, um, I do really well studying in this way. Could you incorporate that into our next unit? Nice. And then I do. So kids sometimes will um, provide me feedback and I implement it as, as quickly as I can. What about the end of the year? Do you ask like, what was your favorite thing? What was your least favorite thing? Uh, uh, nah. what, if so, they, really? what, if, what if you don't like their feedback? I think that's what, that she's feeling offensive or he or she asks. So if I don't, I mean, obviously I would, I would respond um, and help them formulate feedback in an appropriate and respectful and professional way because um, I think that's important to teach the kids as well um, maybe even more than content itself uh, but if I don't agree with something that a student is providing to me in terms of feedback for my class structure or something that I'm doing in my class and I'll just have that conversation with them at that moment and be like hey you know I don't know if this is the best way uh, for the majority of students to learn this way but if this is something that helps you then I can help you figure that out yeah. in your bigger oh, picture. So here's you can read that one that's an example that they said. Oh, this is one of yeah. those. Oh, say, for example, I got comments like the bell ringer work was helpful, but I didn't like that you that we had to do it in the beginning of class every day. I'm shaking my head, going, <laughs> "Um, that was the point." That's when you say you don't have a choice and you move on. Yeah, I so I so a couple of things on that. One, I think to to get it ahead of that, I always tell kids why we're doing stuff, and so I get it all the time too. Like, we have to do this every day in the beginning of class. Yep. Like, I want you to know 
that every day you come in, you shake my hand, you grab your journal, you sit down, the prompt is on the board, the date is on the board. I love when kids ask me in May what the date is. I'm like, bro, I've been writing the date in the same exact spot for <laughs> 10 months. So it's all there already. And so a lot of times the kids will come in and be like, just do we, why is this the same thing every day? It's like, because you know the procedure. I didn't finish that. I, no, I know, but that's another one that he's- Oh, my bad, okay. So I think that helps. And then I, I always open it up to, even if we have tests, I'll say to, to try and lessen the number of questions that I get where kids will be like, I think it could be both of these answers. I'll say either one, answer, pick your answer. And when I give the test back to you, if you want to argue your point, I'll get down with the argument. Because sometimes maybe I said something in class and you heard one thing, but I meant something else. But if I can see your point, I'll give it to you. Or just write your answer in. So even if it's multiple choice, like write your answer in, because I might say like, okay, I can see how you got that from our conversation in class. So I, I like doing that. And I think it helps with those things. This is the first year I've ever asked for student feedback. And I thought it was fascinating. And the, one of the ways I go about it is I think, one, what if this is true? What if it's 100% true? What if I do this all the time? And then just sit with that for a little bit and then think like, all right, maybe that's true. Or, or then follow up with the student and say, hey, I really want to get better. I want to be the best teacher that I can. Can you talk me through this a little bit? And I think that helps kids to learn how to have like healthy conversations or arguments where you're not just like throwing down the, the mic, like saying something and just dropping the mic on them and walking away. It's like, no, let's have a conversation about this and work it out. And one of the things we're always saying at school is your ability to have difficult conversations is going to decide whether you're successful in so many areas in your life, like in personal relationships, being friends with someone, um, you know, you have to be able to have those like awkward, difficult conversations. So I would turn it back around and ask the kid. So then one more part from them, they said another example is students say that they often didn't do their homework because they knew I didn't grade it. Then they say that they needed more help before tests. Homework equals practice. My decision not to grade was intentional. So maybe have that conversation or explain to them why you don't grade homework, right? So why didn't you grade the homework? Dog, come on. That was almost my foot. The dog's bringing over giant bones and then dropping them at my feet. Sometimes Cho chews bones with the dog. But um, they... I know this is awesome, isn't it? No, we're like salt and pepper, not the group because that was different. Um, that, that was so stupid. <laughs> so I would I would break it down for them and remind them, and not in a sort of because I find I get like a condescending tone sometimes when I like say things to students like that, where it's like you've said it fifty times, they didn't listen. Just go about it with like, look, let me just remind you, this is why I do the things the way that I do. I don't need you to agree. I just need you to to understand. So, oh, man, you can say that name. It's so hard, right? Mar Marika? I feel like I dis Van Den Acker. Acker? Okay. So, Sorry. how are you, Cho? Was relationships with students different from those that Reynolds has? That's a great question. I like to think of myself as like a, I mean, there are students in the building who call me mom and grandmom. More grandmoms than moms, actually. Really? Yeah. So. You are getting older. I know. You see the gray hairs? You see mine? Oh, please. <laughs> I thought they were just contagious. It was supposed to hang out. 
No, I'm getting old. But uh, so I've taken on kind of like this grandmom Beast. persona in the kids' um, minds. I guess like they see me as this like strict but loving and caring figure um, who's not going to put up with their BS and who will tell them straight to their face if they don't think that what they're saying is acceptable or, or what they're doing is acceptable. Um, but again, they know that it all comes from a place of love. I think that being a young woman in an all boys school, I have to be mindful of a couple of things, right? Like physical contact needs to not happen frequently. I was going to ask that. <laughs> like, I don't do hugs. I do handshakes. I do fist bumps. I give that, but that's about as far as that goes. Um, yeah. I like when I, I hear know. kids talk about the fact that like kids get excited when they win your respect. Like yeah. they, they, your respect is something that they want and that they appreciate. And when they don't have that, it's like they're they're vying for that. Like they 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 want to have it. You still have to get down because I'm having a hard. Time. I can't multitask, my friend. Um, but that's that's such a hard question because I never know. I don't know what it is that I do on the daily that makes it get to that point. Do you know what I mean? Like I I have this again personality, this persona, this teaching persona. But I, I can't pinpoint the exact techniques that I'm using to make that. Do you like, think that's authentic? Happen. Like, do you think you're similar inside of school as you are outside of school? I think I'm pretty much exactly the same inside yeah. and outside of school. You just like hugs more outside of school? No. When do I ever want hugs? You're always hugging me. No, no. Oh. You hug me. Only, only Jenna. You, you do hug Jenna. Uh, so. That's my twin. They, I'd say, let me think about it. My, how are my relationships different? I think they couldn't. So looking at them, they're much different, right? Like I hug guys all the time. I hug kids when they don't want me to hug them. And then I hug them and they're just like, they stand there. It's kind of like they look like this. Look. Oh. So they, come on, man. That was hurting my feelings. No. So, but that's what I do to the students. I make fun of kids all the time. I call them names. I put tape in their hair. I sing songs to them. My class could not in a lot of ways be more different. We have dance parties at the end of the day sometimes where I put on like really weird songs at like take on me by aha or Africa from Toto or the songs I sing the shows sometimes. <clears throat> and I think that is more authentic to who I am. I really think it's the authenticity piece that makes kids it, yeah. want to be around you because, because they know we're being real. Yeah. And I think, yeah. So I just think that that is a big thing and you're showing up every day, right? You're like, you're being consistent and you're, you're not, you're not mean show one day and then silly, crazy, happy show the next day. You're like pretty even keel and lar largely, right? Yeah. Like I know that I am, I'm usually on 11, but then there are days when I just don't, I'm not having it or I'm having a bad day or I was up all night or I'm sick or like I got pissed off at my neighbor right before I left the house, something like that. And, but largely I think we're both pretty consistent. Yeah. And that, That's that wins the day. The only thing that matters. Ansley Lowe is asking, Cho, you mentioned maybe going to med school. What made you decide to teach versus going to med school? The money? <laughs> Like making bread. Um, I didn't want to go back to school for that much longer. I didn't want to be in that much debt. 
and I, I didn't see myself appreciating being like a medical doctor over what I do now. I think that, you know, I feel more than fulfilled by my current occupation and I don't see a reason why I should change that. You know, the doctor friends that I know often feel like I talk a lot about this idea of like being a cog in the machine. And I feel like some schools where you don't have the freedom that we do, you come in, you have to do the lesson that they give you, you have to say the words that they tell you to say, you do the activities. It's all scripted out. Like we can do whatever we want, but even doctors that I know feel like they are held to what the insurance companies will allow them to do, what yeah. the hospital will allow them to do. And they're not allowed to just do the thing they're they're like held to this this rule book and so if i was just thinking of that i would think like it's really great to be able to like help kids in ways that we do whatever we want mm -hmm. like if someone has a bad day if someone is going without something we just buy it for them or we all chip in or we do something for someone or i just think there's a lot more freedom in that so Kimberly Wallback is asking, will Cho ever start a YouTube channel? It's a lot of work. <laughs> Maybe I'll just make guest appearances so, on Reynolds. First channel. of all, you, now I'm going to put you on blast. Oh, Isn't this interesting to do this? To like answer questions for it people? Is, it's very interesting. And I kind of want to just like type my email into the comments so you all can email me if you have questions. So you could do that. Them. I could put it in there. Also, how about when I took you this year when I got a speaking gig and I, they needed someone to talk about STEM. And so I brought Cho with me. It was great, right? Yeah. Really like, cool. It felt like you cool really experience. help people in like real time. And so yeah. I think that's the draw all the time is like, we know stuff like a little bit, like we're not, I'm not a 25 year master teacher, yeah. but I know more than, you know, that's folks are just starting time. out. And I feel like I can use that to help people. Yeah. Uh, bonus fiddle is asking, what does the first day look like? What's your first day of class look like? My first day of class, I scare the students. So I print out a really thick syllabus and I read through it in a very firm tone without smiling. Actually, I don't smile until like November. Um, I make that a point. So yeah, I kind of just like scare them by like kind of laying it all out. Like these are all of the things that we have to learn this year. And I, I guess in a sense, it, my intention is to create urgency, right? Like we have eight different units to cover. We have at least one lab report that we're writing for every unit. We have multiple projects, multiple pro uh, um, essays, things like that. And so I just try my very best to intimidate them as best as I can. That is my first But time. I will say that that matches I'm not saying it's wrong. No, but it matches Cho's personality throughout the whole year. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, so I know you always say, I know nobody, I don't even know if anyone can hear me. I know you always say like, don't do that stuff or you're, you always say be who you are, but I'm just saying like, I'm going to say. But I think that's why say. this is so important, right? Yeah. My first day could not be any different <laughs> than that. It is literally the complete opposite <laughs> of that. So my first three days look something like the first day is typically a half day, right? We have half day. Oh yeah. Uh -huh. And we bring in like the ninth readers come in first like on a monday let's say and then like a tuesday the sophomores and the juniors will come back and and the freshmen have off then that thursday wednesday whatever it is just the seniors come back and so it's nice because the freshmen get to come into a building where there's not all these upperclassmen it's not as intimidating mm -hmm. my first day is literally 
I'm so glad all of you are here. My name is Mr. Reynolds. I, want, I need you to know that I literally love teaching. I'm so excited about this year. I want to have the greatest year we could ever possibly have. And I care for you more deeply than you could ever imagine. And then I give my syllabus out. So then we talk about that. I talk about all the things we're going to do this year and how fun it's going to be. Um, <laughs> and then, and then uh, I... Don't, not until the second day do I get to, or second day we, they write letters to themselves, I give back a graduation. Third day, I give them my one page syllabus that even looks fun. It's like set up as like all these. Have you ever seen my syllabus? No. Now I'm going to show it to you. <laughs> and then I talk about the fact that I have one rule in my classroom because I assume that you weren't raised by wolves, and which is possible. Some kids might have been raised by wolves. But I talk about the idea that, like, I don't need a whole bunch of rules in my class just because, you know, you should know better. Like if I called your mom and asked if she raised a fool, chances are she would say no. There's one in 10 kids. I think their parents would say, no, I messed up. Maybe. So, but I, the thing I think is so great about that is those both work. Yeah. But, it's, but if I tried to do that, if I tried to not smile till November, bro, Come on, my face would break. We could never have each other's classroom. But what if you had this? What if you had to go in on the first day and be like, "I'm so happy to be here. I w I can't wait to have so much fun this year." Like if that, if you knew, like this is the only way to start. I think I would disintegrate. Yeah, you'd probably go to med school. Yeah, probably. <laughs> but so I think that's it, it. Just goes proves that point even more. Uh, Kimberly is asking. Where do Reynolds go to college? I went. So I like this story too because most people don't like talking about this. First, I went to community college because I had no idea what I wanted to do after high school. Then, not until my mom got sick. My mom got cancer when I was in school. And I had, like, I was just taking stuff I thought was fun. Like, I was, this is a common theme of my life, right? Where I was taking, like, art history or yoga. I took until some guy put his sweaty sock in my eye and I quit the class. Yeah, it was disgusting. <laughs> yeah. So, um, went to community college and then... I transferred over to Rowan University in, in South Jersey. So, but I only did that when I knew exactly what I wanted to do. And in retrospect, that was the best thing I, I could have done because community college allowed me to take a lot of different kinds of classes to figure out who I wanted to be and what I wanted to do instead of paying a ton of money at a regular school. And so when we have guys that are like, yo, I'm going to CCP, which is the community college of Philadelphia, they look like embarrassed by it. And I'm like, yo, I teach across the hall from Harvard University and Harvard University and St. Joe's and UPenn. And I'm a community college graduate that went to a state school. And it's, so I don't think it's always about the college you go to. I think it's what you do with what you learned in college. And, and that is a way bigger deal. Uh, ooh, you can say that one. <laughs> Ayana Casillas. <laughs> Maybe you could just do this every week where you pronounce people's names. <laughs> Thank you. As a female teacher at an all-boys school. Oh, oh, she's asking you. I thought she was saying she wasn't. As a female teacher at an all-boys school, what classroom management tip and tricks have you learned? What's some of your, like, go-to things? Again, really difficult question to answer because you want to make sure that whatever it is that you're doing, it's authentically you. Um, I am, first and foremost, really, really consistent. Like from day one until the very last day of school, I'm exactly, well, I, mean, I shouldn't say exactly the same because I have my days, my crazy days. Um, but generally speaking, like I'm very predictable in terms of like what it is that I expect students to do and how I expect them to do it. Um, 
What do you do if let's, cause this is, will be something people can take away from this. Yeah. You are in the middle of a lesson and someone will just not get on board with what you're doing. They're just acting a fool. What do you do in that moment? So my first move is always to deep, like, I guess, get in close proximity of that student, right? So I'll get right up next to that student and I squat down so that I'm actually below the level that their head is at. Um, and it creates like a less intimidating, intimidating dynamic. Um, and I'll very quietly just say in their ear, like, hey, I need you on board with this. Can we get on task right now? Or do we have to take this any further? And usually if I say that, like if, if I have to take it beyond just the conversation between the two of us and it has to go to like a parent or like the dean or something like that, um, they'll usually, you know, stop whatever it is they're doing and, and get on task. Um, if it does get to a point where they're getting more either explosive or they're just still refusing to do anything, then I remove them from my classroom, um, tell them to sit outside for a second while I get the rest of the class on task and doing what they need to do. And then I'll step outside and have a conversation with them. And those conversations usually look like, you know, so why are you out here? Right. And I kind of like guide them towards figuring out what it is that got them placed outside um, and why it's important for them to come back in. Um, and I, I like to keep that to a minimum. So like three to four minute conversation really, really quick. And then, uh, you know, and there's always steps to it. So if it goes beyond that, then they go to whoever the administrator is. What happened? What's your class look like when you're stepping in the hallway with someone? Are they chilling or are they like? Oh, they're quietly yeah. working. Okay. Because <laughs> I always have one foot in the door. Right. Yeah. So even though, and I'm talking very quietly to this other student right outside the doorway so that the other students aren't listening to our conversation. Yeah. I want to be mindful of the fact that like that could also, um, it's, it's a sign of respect, right? Yeah. So I'm having a quiet conversation, but my foot and my like left ear or my right ear, depending on how I'm situated is always like still up next to the door. So yeah. the students know, and especially towards like the middle to the end of the year, I can tell students voices. Um, and so I can like pinpoint exactly who it was that was talking yeah. if I told them not to be talking. That scares the crap out of kids. So I know. How so so know? I can like swing in and I'll say like, so-and-so, this is what I said to do. And so they, they'll recognize that I can pinpoint exactly who it is that yeah. did it. And so they can't get away with anything. I So th this question kind of goes to that. I'm going to ask you a follow-up question. There. Terry Cox is saying, Cho, can you give us examples of how you handle difficult students in your classroom? I start my first teaching job in August. So first of all, Congratulations on getting your first teaching job. Um, and I'll, I want to say this too, also, Terry, if you have questions as you're getting started, like about anything, even before the school year starts, like go ahead and reach out and I'd be happy to, to answer those for you. Or if you have anything that you want to show, um, we'll put your email address. But like, if you want to, like, if you lose that or something like that, you can always just contact me. I'll get in touch with Cho. So what did you do? You said earlier, there was a kid that like, freaked out in your class, like threw a trash can or kicked a trash can through a desk. Mm -hmm. You're sometimes I think there are these moments where it's like, you almost feel like you're, you're in the middle of a street fight. How do you handle that situation? What does that look like in your head when that explosion happens of a kid? Mm -hmm. Go ahead. So actually with, that was not the worst thing that I've ever experienced in classroom. I'd say that one of the most momentous occasions that are similar to that one was when I taught at New Media, right? One of my girls at New Media came in trying to, or threatening, I guess, to fight me. She was throwing my tables around, throwing chairs around, slamming the door. You know, she had some friends in there who were piping her up and like telling them, telling her to fight me. And I found in that moment, 
And I don't know how I had the wherewithal to do it. That was my first year teaching. I sat right in front of her, literally like a foot away from her. And I said, do what you need to do. And when you call the kids out on their BS, they don't know what to do about it. And they'll just stop because she's not going to punch her teacher unless she has like a wish to get expelled from the school, right? Which she didn't. Um, So, and I think I did a very similar thing with the the student at Boys Latin. I just kind of sat there very calmly, you know, kind of like being the opposite of what it was that he was at, right? Because if you match a kid at that level, he's going to try to take me in above that or she. Um, So I just sat very quietly and I said, I need you to be calm. It's going to be okay. You can come up with a solution to this. But right now, you're going to be given a consequence for this action. Um, And eventually, he was able to calm down and he was given a consequence. And then, you know, we moved forward from it. So I I think there's a lot of different ways you can handle that also. Where sometimes, if it's between students, I always, on my desktop, I have um, the theme song from Karate Kid 2, the love song. And I'll play it sometimes. Cause kids won't fight if there's love jams on, right? Uh-huh. Like it, it's like, it's super awkward all of a sudden. And you're just like, it doesn't like, if I put on eye of the tiger, I could probably have a higher percentage rate of kids actually fighting, but that song they don't, or I'll start blowing bubbles and then they just stop. Cause it's like, no one wants to fight when there's bubbles. Or bubbles. Think about it. They make me happy. I think this is how you stop violence in the world is just by blowing bubbles more. So I think trying, I think my the guy that I student taught with once told me that teaching is 90% acting. So there are some days you have to act real interested in what you're doing, or you have to act like you're really aggravated about something. And sometimes I'm not. And I know uh, our principal, former principal, uh, Dr. Tennant said once, I was in his office and he yelled at a kid. And this is a guy who never, ever yells. And when he yelled at a kid, it was like the most, it was like you saw a lion roar in the wild. You're like, wow. <laughs> And so he lays into this kid and the kid walks out and he looks at me and he says, he goes, that was really convincing, wasn't it? And I was like, bro, you literally just changed my life. And I've used that tactic so many times where I'll act real patient when inside I want to explode and I've acted really angry and upset about something sometimes. And then when that, but, and I think the problem with losing your cool in class is it changes the vibe of your class. Now it's messed up. Now I wanted to have fun today. I wanted to do this project. Mm-hmm. Some kid lost his cool. I lost my cool. And then you can't go back into that. So there are times when I've yelled at a kid either re- really, because I was actually really mad or faked it. But I always come back into the class and I go, that was really convincing, right? And the kids lose it. They all start cracking up. They're like, you really thought you were mad? And I'm like, no, man, I want to have a great time now. Yeah. I'm trying to have the best class ever. Yeah. Can do that and that i think that magically changes your class back to like okay now we're like we still are having fun you're amazing and like that was great uh you do because i want you to say right now this person is saying bonus fiddle saying can you tell us about trips and speakers what are like one or two of like your favorite trips that you do a year or speakers they specifically asked for shows no no no. yeah but i think she does really great stuff yeah so we do quite a few things we're, we're lucky enough to have some really strong relationships with local universities um 
So we, our chemistry students go to CCP, the Community College of Philadelphia, for five different sessions throughout the school year where they go and actually participate in real life um, chemistry, like college level chemistry labs. Um, so I think that's always really interesting because science lab, and so the kids got to go and create some like nano chips in a lab. It was really awesome. Oops. Yeah. Some speakers that we've had in the building, there's this woman, um, and she didn't come in this year, but she is a professor at, I think, UPenn, um, and she's an entomologist, so she studies, like, insects, right? And she'll bring, like, a bunch of different types of insects and take them out of their cases and put them in the kids' hands, and they get to, like, see the different um, bugs, and she talks about, like, the biology behind their structures and whatnot. Um, we have a radio telescope guy who comes in from UPenn as well, a lot of people from UPenn, and he talks about, like, this massive project that's going on, I think, in Africa somewhere, I don't know exactly where. Um, but it's a huge radio telescope that he's like working on as this like project. And so the kids get to see this like application of these abstract concepts they're learning about in class in real life and why it's so important that we have all this information. Awesome. Uh, so I have a follow-up question for that if we have time, but there's tons of questions here. Valerie Joe is saying, when do you when you need to get a student's attention, do you have a signal for students trying to think of one for eighth graders next year, which doesn't seem juvenile but works? How do you get kids' attention? I start talking. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. I can just see someone going, no, Cho just said start talking, and then they're like going to teach a class. Because well, if kids talk over you, I always tell folks like, you stop. You don't yeah. let them. And you look them dead in the eye. Mm -hmm. Like, even the kid that's in the back looks like he's going to cut you. Yeah. If you if you talk to him the wrong don't way. Don't break eye contact. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, you're training in... Well, Cho has, like, some death like stare down. Like, that's her jam. I, I must say I have a pretty solid death stare. I don't know. I start talking, and obviously kids don't immediately stop, right? But as soon as I start talking, they'll get each other quiet. Yeah. And then it just takes, like, a couple seconds for me to wait while they finish getting quiet, and then I'll continue. What did you do in your first year? How did you handle that? I'm and, or like, done. when did you change? Like, what was the, like, was there ever a time that you just started doing something different? Yeah, no, I used to do like call and response stuff. Um, I used to count down three, two, one. It's a total TFA move. Is yeah, the call and well, that's why thing. I did it was because they made me. Um, <laughs> and then I was like, well, this is complete BS. I, I can't do this. It's totally not real to me. So um, I, I don't. Like I said, I just scare them in the beginning. And then when I start talking, they just stop. Yeah. So you don't do the countdown thing anymore? No, absolutely not. I, so I, I didn't used to do that because I thought it was so dumb. But then Nicholas Pascal, who we used to teach with, who's like one of – he might be the greatest connector to students I've ever seen. Like mm -hmm. different level stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So he always counted down, and I thought it was so silly. And then I started doing it. I don't know why I started doing it a couple of years ago. And it works all the time to the, to the point where like, I'll have guests come in and the students aren't listening to the guests. And I'll be like this, watch that. I've done this before. Cause I just, I feel, I feel like it's so amazing that they respond. I'm like, watch this. And I go four, three. And then I Wayne's world. I'm like, and they a hundred percent compliance every time. Like, cause if you don't, I'll just go, I'm sorry, why aren't we, like, what are we doing? What are we talking about? And I think the reason I like the countdown is it means you don't have to be quiet immediately because you might be in the middle of saying something and too much of school is sit down, be quiet, do work. 
where like even when kids are between classes, we don't give them a lot of time to hang out. We're telling them to hurry up. We're telling them to get in class, hurry up, get your stuff in order, then sit down and be quiet again. Yeah. And there's no room for that. So I feel like even in that four seconds, it lets you go, all right, I'll tell you the rest of the story. Like, you know, classroom management differently if you weren't at all boys school. Nope, I've done the same forever. I, I, all the same jokes work, all the same like goofy stuff that I've done always works. I find that I feel like girls were a better audience than boys were like boys don't always want to laugh because especially at corny stuff they're just like they're like the front is too strong in the beginning of the year and like this dude is corny or he's you're so dumb and i'm like oh i know but girls were always easier to laugh uh but not if you were in my class i would have made you the butt of all my jokes probably but i would hate you so much um so Diary of a Mad Black Teacher. This is my friend from Detroit. I'm going to meet her in a couple weeks. Um, talk to me about your overall school policy on behavior, parent involvement, etc. Is it con- uh, is it consistently followed across the board? Wow, this is an interesting question. What is it? What does? What do you think about our school's behavior policy and parent involvement? Does that tie into what you do, or what? I think that I've gotten used to just kind of doing my own thing. Um, And what I'm doing is it works for me. And so I haven't really had to rely on school-wide policies and procedures necessarily. I think any school, you know, there's always work to be done. Um, Nothing's perfect, but I don't know. I I don't really rely on the the people outside of my classroom, unless it's like you, right? Like if I have a student who's struggling or something, then I'll come and see you because you clearly have like really strong relationships with students that I might not. And so we'll like, you know, I mean, you know, we bounce ideas off each other all the time. Have you ever felt like this is tricky? This is a tricky question, but I'm going to talk about it anyway. Have you ever felt like the school did not back something that you were doing? And then how do you deal with that? I'd say 99% of the time, I feel like I'm being backed. There have been like small instances here and there. um, Sometimes with parents, sometimes not, sometimes with students. And I, I think that like maybe that's why I, I just kind of deal with everything on my own, just because I'm a very consistent person and I know how I like things to be dealt with and I know that I can do it myself for the most part. And so um how do you deal with that? You just kind of accept it and move on. Yeah. Like really your hands are kind of tied with admin. And, and that is, and I think that's a tricky piece. And I I hear that from a lot of people where they feel like their school doesn't back them. I'd say that largely, I feel like our school does. Yeah. There have been times when I haven't felt like they handled things the way I wanted them to. Mm-hmm. But I will say when I taught in Camden, I often felt like oh, yeah. I was not backed. I've had, I've literally had a kid like grip me up before or like come after me, like they were going to fight me. And then they didn't get, then I got in trouble for how it was handled mm-hmm. when it was like a hundred percent their fault. And so when I moved to West Philly from Camden, I just had this mindset of like guerrilla warfare. Yeah. Like I wasn't just going to go 
with whatever the school's policy was, I was going to do what was true to me. And I think one of the things that we do really well and that I offer to teachers all the time when they say they're not sure what to do because they don't feel like the school backs them, you have to find someone else, even if it's one person that you get along with where we do, we did this this year where there was, and we, we've done it, I don't know, the last few years where you'll have a student that I'm having a lot of trouble with, but I know Cho gets along with for some reason, right? And so I will go to her and say, yo, your boy is screwing up in my class. We have to figure this out. And she might just be able to speak in a way that he can hear better, or we'll do a lunch with him or something where we are a united front. And that always throws kids off because they're always amazed when they say things like, they're like, will you talk about me? Or like, yeah, bro, that like you're the reason we're here. And so, of course, we're talking about you. So I think making a small circle of people that are like going to stand up for one another and support one another. So even if you're if your administration isn't doing that, then who, like they're going to do whatever they're going to do. And maybe their hands are tied also. But between the few of you, you can figure a lot of stuff out, I think. Uh, CCT is asking, so what has been your best experience so far teaching at an all boys school? Besides me. Don't Let yourself. me tell you about best friend. Uh, um, you know, I don't know that I've really noticed that I teach at an all boys school all that much, right? I think in like the beginning, right, when I first started there, it was, it was very much noticeable just because I came from a co-ed school. Um, but after these past like three years of being here, I don't even notice that I teach all boys. I just really love the school, number one, because of my coworkers and because, you know, I, people like him, I guess. Um, and then I also think that uh, being able to do kind of, my administration trusts me to do what is right in my classroom and it's pretty much hands off. And I do, I work very, very hard to make sure that I'm doing everything that I possibly can to provide my students with the best education. But, you know, I really like that I can be experimental and like do a bunch of different things and, Again, don't really notice that I teach in all boys school. You, you do like start forgetting school. about. I think the boys start forgetting about that too. Yeah. Like first day of ninth grade, they're like, "This is so. This sucks because I have so much game, and I literally have six girlfriends right now, <laughs> and there were girls here." It. But it's like always the dorkiest kid. Like, yeah. No, I, it's kind of like. Have you ever watched Breakfast Club? Yes. When Anthony Michael Hall's character is talking about his girlfriend that he has, but she lives in the Niagara Falls area. <laughs> that's, what, that's what the boys are about. Like, oh, she lives in a part of Philly that you've never heard of. She lives in Underbrook. And you're like, well, where the hell is that? <laughs> he just made that up. Underbrook. Uh, so we're at an hour, but we have a few more questions. And maybe we could just like, we'll just quick answers. Amanda Teaches is saying, have you ever gotten any backlash on being put into tough situations with your YouTube channel, how is how it negatively affected you at, or has it negatively affected you all at work? And how do you get permission to put students in videos? So I didn't need to have permission to put students in videos until this year. And then that became a rule. So I just have a permission slip that says, Hey, I have a YouTube channel. This is how many subscribers I have. This is how many views I have, like to give parents a sense of like, it's a, it's a bigger deal now than when I had 50 subscribers. Now that I'm like coming up on 12,000, and I feel like my subscriber base is like pretty true. I don't, I'm not like a, I, I feel like the folks that are watching are watching pretty consistently. And so I tell them what that's about and why I do it. I don't think I've ever gotten any negative backlash. We were talking about earlier how 
one of the things that parents like is they get a real quick glimpse into the school day. And I'm not allowed to record during the school day, but I do things after school. Every once in a while, I'll just take out my phone. I'll do like 10 seconds of like a particular project that we're doing, but I don't, I'm not allowed to set up my camera during the day. So I just kind of follow the rules and parents love it. Kids watch, I mean, kids watch the live feed every week. They'll be like, I was watching a live feed last night, Reynolds. And so that it's only been a good thing. I will say, whether it's in my head or not, I do feel, I feel like some teachers feel some type of way about the fact that I do a YouTube channel. Um, but my take on it is I'm not trying to come up. I'm not doing this because I'm the best. I'm just doing it because I'm willing to do it. And so I think I have something to say. And I think there's a lot of people at my school that have like, we have really smart people at our school that have really great ideas that do really great stuff. But um, you know, it takes a level of, I don't know if it's guts or ridiculousness to like put yourself out there talking on the internet. To a camera is weird. It's like, hard to talk to a I camera. I tried once and I failed. It's hard to not look at yourself on here and to look up here That's the whole I've been time, doing right? The entire just, time, and I have to catch myself. It's all. It's weird. Thing. You get used to it, but it's or to sit like you. What you can't see right now is like how close we're sitting to one another. So to talk, it's like, it's super awkward. Like if we turn our faces, it's, it's weird. So there's, there are those weird things to use up, but, um, <laughs> let me tell you. No. About. All right. So Amanda teaches is also asking, and do you tell your students at the beginning of the year about your YouTube channel? So I will next year. I was hesitant in the beginning because First of all, because my own children are on my YouTube channel a lot, especially in the summer. And I don't want, if someone, my kids are the one thing I get upset about. Brody and Marley want you to say hi to them. Oh, so Brody and Marley are watching upstairs right now. So what's up, gang? <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> my kids are watching upstairs. Okay. So they, but I, I'm always concerned someone's going to say something about my kids they could people and i'm sorry wife people could say something about my wife they could say something about me they could say something about my family but i know you're tough right yeah. kids just feel like more vulnerable and i feel like i want to like i get angry if someone says something about my kid so that that piece is that's difficult but other than that i don't care because i'm trying to help people out I'm trying, i have a channel for teachers are you good? Is this about me? Okay, I'm sorry. Um, Eric, I like that snaps. Eric Fangerling is saying, CJ, what is your input on classroom technology and students using tech? Um, I would say we don't have a lot of technology in our school. We don't have, that's when you have money for that in your school, you can do that. So the funny thing is, is I'm, I'm interested in that though. So I'm interested in anything that the kids are going to, it's going to make them interested. So we do have laptops available to us, but freshmen don't have them on their person. 10th through 12th grade has their own, like they have their own laptops, but I am. Good work, bro. There we go. My man. <laughs> so, but I am going to the ISTE conference this year in Chicago, which is the biggest tech conference in the country. And I'm interested to learn about like, what is someone with limited means? How can they access technology so that our students are getting that piece uh, in their education? So do you get to use tech at all in class? I mean, we do like virtual labs and stuff, which is pretty cool because 
biology is something that's so very abstract and you can't really do hands-on labs other than like, I mean, not demonstrations, like manipulatives or like modeling and stuff. And so, yes, but you know, pretty much hit the nail on the head. It's pretty limited. Um, There's not much you can do with a Chromebook. Yeah. So I'm, I'm just interested in like, I'm hoping people are going to be at the conference speaking to that idea of like, yeah, you might not have any money, but yeah. here's what you could do, or here's some, a way that you could get money or a grant or something like that, because I do think that that is interesting. Uh, bonus fiddles asking Reynolds, I teach math and I want to create a math slash art class. Not sure where to start. How do you, how did you create your hip hop class? So I, I just started it. I, I decided, so let me think. I think there's a lot of interesting stuff that you can do. We have our current principal when he was a teacher started a class based around uh around video games he was a math teacher and he wanted to make a video game class and it was awesome like he taught it in my class and it was the first time i'd ever seen mcdaniel teach Mm. and i would sit in the back and i'd get so caught up in what they were talking about that i would come home and jenna's like why are we watching this movie about donkey kong (laughs) and i'm like dude i we started watching this today and i don't want to wait till tomorrow to finish it because it was so intriguing and then he would break down like why how have graphics gotten better and what way did they do that what part does math play in that it was fascinating to me and so the next year when i got to pick something i thought the other two things my students are the most into is sports and hip-hop and i sure as hell wasn't going to teach a class on sports because i'm because they're far more qualified to talk about that but hip-hop i did feel a connection to so that's i just started looking for i'd say do this read everything you can and just, you have to just be smarter than your students, right? Even you don't have to be the best in the world. You just have to be a step ahead of the kids sometimes. And then two, find people that are professionals. Maybe there's a college professor or there's an artist in your neighborhood or whatever. Just start searching people on Instagram or on, you know, Googling them and asking them to come in and speak because that's what I do. I'm more of a facilitator of my class. I'm not the master of hip hop. I just know more than the kids and I know people that know a lot. So if I tried to DJ in front of the class, it would look like a nightmare. So I have someone come in. I have poets come in because I like a lot of things. I'm appreciator of them. Like I like the slam dunk competition, but if you ask me to do a slam dunk, I mean, they used to, they used to give me points in high school. If I hit the rim, they would be like, yo, we'll take Reynolds. But if he hits the rim, we get a point. I remember all the dudes in gym going, all right, that's cool. (laughs) Like that's how bad I was. So I think finding people that are doing what you're doing and don't try to recreate the wheel ever in school. Steal people's stuff. We are a community of educators. Steal people's ideas and make them your own or just flat out steal them because one, no one's ever going to know. And two, you don't get bonus points for recreating the wheel. No one's going to go, hey, did a great job coming up with something out of nowhere. It's just not... You, you don't get any extra credit. Sorry, I'll move on. on. Kimberly is asking, how do you work with a student who constantly whines and does not want to do what is planned? Go ahead, show. I tell them to suck it up and just do it or else. I tell them I'm going to tell Miss Cho if you don't do your work. And then they do it. <laughs> uh, or one of my favorite lines is, so are we, are we refusing to do the work? And most kids will not say, yes, I am refusing. This might not. Uh, Reminder that to you tonight. Um, or I say, this is what that, so this is what the phone call is going to sound like. 
hi, Mrs. So-and-so, this is Mr. Reynolds. I asked your son to do work today and he refused to do it. This is what I wanted them to do. This is how he acted. And I feel like that works too. Cause it's like not, Hey, I'm going to make me call your mom. I'm going to call home. It's like, no, this is what that conversation is literally going to sound like. So I just want you to know. So you're ready to get in trouble when you go home or something like, or at least have that conversation with your parent. Uh, this is the last one. Last two. Uh, I'm trying to go back to where we marked. Okay. So how does, are you good? Are you yeah. tired? All right, cool. Um, how long does it take to get, a teaching persona. My students voted me most kind. Oh, didn't your students do that too? And I'm not sure what works for the classroom of mostly boys in South LA. So how did you, how did you, that's kind of your neck of the woods a little bit. What is, how did long did it take until you became like the, the Cho? So the kids could describe you. If I said like, the describe Cho, or do a character description of Cho, this is actually a really good idea for next year to talk about character descriptions, like like teaching personas. Yeah. How long did it take you to become the you? I think maybe this year was like my strongest grasp of the Cho persona. Mm-hmm. Because every single child in this entire building knew knew me. Because I taught ninth graders when I first came in, right? And this current graduating class is those ninth graders. That's a big step. Yeah. I love that. And so seeing, like, knowing every... And then also I worked um, as the dean of Summer Academy for the past two years. Yep. So I know every single kid in the entire building by first and last name. Um, I have conversations with students who I've taught. I mean, not conversations. Relationships with parents of students who I've taught and haven't taught. Like, I just randomly have a bunch of really, you know, strange conversations that I've acquired throughout the course of the past four years. Um, And so I'd say probably this year was when it really was solidified. I think that for the past three years, I've been working on this same thing, but it's always like, you know, kind of been on and off, like up and down. Um, But I, yeah, sixth year, this year. What about in public or was that just in private? So I feel like, from the first year, I feel like the first time I ever had a lesson completely fail. It was February of my first year. It was Black History Month, and I had a lesson I was so stoked about. I thought it was going to be really academically rigorous and all this crap. And then the kids hated it, and I just we I came up with this new lesson, and it was far more along the lines of who I was and and the way that I want to teach. But I was nervous to like present that part of myself to the staff because I was afraid I would get like crapped on mm-hmm. from people. So I kind of kept that private. Now I'd say, I'd say five years in maybe. And then I was like the guy in the hallway doing all the stuff that I do in the hallway and yeah. like teasing other, like we have different color tiles in the front of the school. And I tell like, I won't walk on the white ones. I tell the kids that they're made out of lava. <laughs> yeah. It's really fun. Cause then you have certain students that are like, do it also. Oh so they, but that part of me, I was very nervous about sharing with other people. And now I think you just get known for who you are. And even the other teachers are like, yeah, that's weird, but it's like, that's what Reynolds that's does Reynolds. or that's what Cho does or whatever. Yeah. I think it, it's also partially just like being comfortable with your space, right? Like knowing who you're around and knowing who's watching and like, knowing that you're going to be accepted for whatever weird quirks that you have. Yeah. 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 Um, Luis Lopez is saying, last question. 
Cho, you said you had a tumultuous third year since you switched schools, correct? Mm -hmm. My third year is similar to that. I will move to the high school. What's the biggest adjustment that you made? I actually did like a 180 going from my first to like my, my second school. So when I taught at my first school in New Media, um, I, I went into my classroom thinking, oh, I want to be friends with my students, which at the time I had no idea was the biggest mistake that I could ever make going into teaching. Um, uh, so I, I thought I was going to be friends with them. My classroom, when I tell you Reynolds, my classroom was a mess. I had students standing up on top of tables, screaming, cursing, throwing things, refusing to do any work. My classroom was a pigsty, right? And so having that experience for my first two years and going through the struggle that I went through in that experience, I was like, I cannot do this again. So going to Boys Latin my third year, I was able to completely reinvent myself as a teacher. Yeah. Um, and I, I, you know, again, it took me a couple more years after that to really solidify it. But I think I was able to see like, okay, these are the parts of my experience and my personality and my education that I can bring into my classroom that are not like what I was doing before. Um, and I just tried it and it worked. Yeah. So yeah, 180. What about your staff relationships between your old school? And oh, school? huge. So when I was starting out teaching, I thought I knew everything. Um, which I guess like any like recent college graduate, you know, bright eyed, bushy tailed, like, you know, I'm going to do everything well and I have yeah. all the ideas and I'm going to be great. That was me. I guess I was very annoying. And so, um, the majority of the staff of my old school hated me, hated me. And so anytime I needed anything, if I needed support, if I needed help, if I needed to observe someone, no one was willing to do that for me. Um, and, you know, again, another learning experience going from the first to the second school, I was like, I can't put myself in a position where I don't have supporters who are not students, right? Like, I can't just keep relying on my students to provide me with that, like, you know, oh, you're a great teacher, Miss Cho type of, you know, thing, because I need to talk to people who are my age and like who are, have experience in the same way that I do um, so that I can learn from them and grow from them. So that was like a huge and very intentional thing that I did with building relationships with my coworkers. Yeah. I think, I think relationships with coworkers is huge. Yeah. Uh, and it's very daunting for folks sometimes, but like when you have that one person that you can really, you're having a terrible day and you're like, dude, I need to talk with you during yeah. lunch or like, um, like that is a really, really big deal. Um, B is for belief says, I led an offsite program for the sixth through 12th grade students <clears throat> with severe EBD. Next year, I also will be leading the second to fifth grade program alongside. Do you know any vloggers I can look to see how the uh, vloggers I can look at to see how little kids work? So, what's EBD? Uh, like a, maybe an emotional. Can you say what that is, real quick? Oh. Uh, believe. So they'll, they'll answer real Look quick. Down there, you watch. Um, if they're still watching, we've been on for so long. So I don't. Emotional behavior disorders. Okay. Who who's a good vlogger for that? For for little guys, like how old? Yeah. Like what age? What age are they looking for? Uh, they did sixth through twelfth grade, but now they're going to do it second through fifth grade. Oh. I would say here's who I would reach out to. Oh, she's first grade. 
But I think um, Fab is one Fab classroom. She's all world. Like she, I think she could do anything. She could teach any grade. She is the most gracious, most kind, most real. She would be good with EBD type of yeah. Like she's had some very very challenging students. I know this year, and she is just like a hundred percent real. So I would re- I would literally just reach out to her, go on to her. Um, what is it? Uh, one Fab classroom on her YouTube channel and find her email and just send her an email and, and she i'm sure she'd be happy you can tell her that i sent you also and um that might just make her like know that your question's not coming out of nowhere uh john is this the last one? Oh no keep going okay john g is saying did either of you teach at a co-ed school before all boys if so did you find any advantages or disadvantages to the move i may be switching to an all boys school for from a co-ed school next year did you see any big differences between teaching at all boys school I'm going to blow my nose real quick. I didn't do that. Um, I think there were definitely differences in terms of like the students and their needs and kind of how they behaved around each other, I guess. I don't know. It's, I think that girls learn differently from boys um, and they definitely mature at different rates than boys. Um, yeah, I, th- I think that generally like the you're teaching students like teaching students is always teaching students so i i wouldn't say that i saw anything like significantly different moving from a co-ed to um an all-boys school they're definitely goofier they're a lot goofier and they're open to doing like weird things because i really hate like saying this but I guess because they're they're teenage boys and if they're around girls, there's going to be a certain level of like putting on a show. Um, not to say that girls... I noticed the most was... So I did teach at a co-ed school. Boys have less of a front up when girls aren't there. And I, so we just talked about this the other day that sometimes there's this idea at all boys school where girls are a distraction. That's why there are no girls there. So we need to get girls out of the way because they distract boys. And I don't like that narrative. I think it's damaging. I think that a lot of the times our boys have this twisted like idea of what women are or what they're used for and stuff like that. So, but I will say teaching all boys the boys don't front as much. They like there is this brotherhood that happens, and they become more open about how they what they're thinking about, how they feel. If they have a question, they'll cry in class. I mean, kids cry all the time, and I don't think that they would do that as much, and did not do that as much when I taught with girls. So that you know, is is single gender school better than a regular school? Eh, I don't. I don't like. I think we would still have just. I think we would have a very similar experience if we taught boys and girls, but I do like that piece of it. I like that the boys have this chance to be vulnerable when boys are often not, especially the boys we teach are often not vulnerable and they're taught not to be. So Brody wants to know if you would say hi to him. Brody and Marley are upstairs. Oh, hey, Brody. Hey, Mar. Um, Brody would come down and say, check out his YouTube channel, Reynolds Gaming. <laughs> um, they just got 20 subscribers and they were so oh! stoked. So Brittany V is saying, I just completed my first year of teaching sixth grade. I never imagined how nasty some parents could be. I didn't see that coming. Could be. Who would test for their child. Um, and if you think from that perspective and, and talk to that parent about 
you know, whatever it is that they're angry about from that perspective, they're oftentimes going to be much more agreeable later on. Um, like I had a student's parent this year who was, she kind of had a bad experience with um, his former school and was kind of just expecting us to fail in the same way with him. Um, and so she came in kind of like swinging, right? Like she wasn't trying to, to be positive or anything in any way, but like throughout the entire school year, I made it a point to like maintain really close contact with her. If she needed anything, if she needed any extra resources, any extra support, I was like right on the spot, giving it to her. Um, and over time she kind of like warmed up and like recognized that I'm going to go out of my way to help your kid. Yeah. So, you know, you got to kind of like show them that you're on the same team, not just say it. Yeah. So I would say, so my answer would be kind of the opposite of what you said at the end there, because I, I tell them all the time, like, here's what you need to know more than anything. I want your kid to succeed. I want them to have a great year and I want them to, I'm trying to meet them where they are and like bring them up to where they could be, but I'm not willing to settle. I'm not willing to like, when I say like meet them where they are, it's like, if your reading level is on a fourth grade reading level, I'm willing to go there and help bring you up and I'll order any book that you want. And I'll do anything that I can. I'll tutor you or whatever it is that you need, but I'm not willing to like, I'm not trying to mess around. And because it's so important to me. And I think that you're right. A lot of times parents come in and they've had a bad experience somewhere else or they or this is how someone they had to act to get what they wanted before. It's like, Nope. You can just email me or call me anytime and I'll try and get right back. Well, actually, I'm really bad at email. So like <laughs> if you text me, I'm way faster. Um, I, I like telling parents that because I think it does put them a little bit at ease. And then unfortunately, it sometimes just takes time. Like it's like one of those things where like even some students, you'll get students that they don't get in line until like March, really. And you're like, oh my God, why did this have to take so long? Like we could have just been having such a better year if you would have just believed me. And so I think that that, is like just telling parents flat out like nope i want the best for your kid but like i'm not gonna i'm not gonna like lessen my what what i need them to do like i'm not gonna lower my expectations or something like that and i, th I think parents appreciate that uh but is this the last one you said i mean there's a few more i know i keep asking that but okay idea. so here's what i'm gonna do if i did not get, i'm gonna read this last question if i did not get to your question uh, could you go ahead and write it in the comment section below and yeah, then I'll get back. And if you want to answer anything in the comment section, you can go ahead and do that as well. Uh, bonus fiddle saying I am moving from a public school to a charter school. I know that all schools are different. Do you guys know how they compare a teacher? Did you feel we were at charter schools before, right? Yeah, I was only at charter school. I was I only at charter school. Public school. Like I, I attended when I was yeah. in high school. But do you know any other teachers that teach at public schools and are there differences between like what they experience in your experience? I mean, in, in Philadelphia, I think there's a huge difference. I think Philadelphia public schools are much larger. Um, they are, I think, much more like it's dictated what you should be doing in your classroom. Like your hands are kind of tied because you're so um, dictated by your district, right? Yeah. Whereas charter schools kind of allow for a little bit more freedom in every respect, right? The administration, the, the teachers, just general staff, just because we just have more say over like what's going on within our building. Um, in Philadelphia, unfortunately, I feel like public school student populations are also very different from charter school student populations. Um, just given the fact that like in order to go to a charter school, you have to put in some sort of application, right? And that would entail you having some sort of parent or guardian who 
is willing to put that time and energy into getting their kid into the school. Um, And so I I think it creates a slightly different um, population. Not that there's any less need, right? But yeah, I think that public schools tend to be just kind of like a, you know, you have to go to school, so go there. Yeah, I I think for our school anyway, I largely feel like we are given room to fail, to try something and that thing might be a flaming disaster, but you're given room to do that and then follow up with after and have that conversation. And that is everything as a teacher, like to feel like I can royally screw up. I can have a lesson or, or order a book and try and teach it and it sucks or have a speaker come in and it was a terrible idea or a trip that was a, that no one behaved on or went wrong. And I really appreciate that. So I would say, in terms of public school, well, I think one of the things I notice is, and this is a, a good and a bad thing. Schools like ours, there's a lot of young people, and like, the, so I'm. I think next year I'm back to being the oldest teacher in the school. So I'm 41 now, but most people are. I mean, you're only what 26. So that's um, that's a pretty big difference. Yeah. And when folks just come in for two years and then they leave, and then we hire someone else, and they come in for two years and then they leave we often don't have the money to hire people with a lot of experience. Mm-hmm. And I think that that is, that's problematic. Sometimes, sometimes you luck out and you get some, well, you get some TFA teacher that is crushing it and, and you win, but a lot of times you don't. And, but I think public schools have a lot of those teachers that have been there for a long time. They're fed up with yeah. the system and they're just handing out worksheets. And that's not to diss every public school teacher. Some there are always exceptions, but those are the two. It's either like, you're really new and you last for two years or you've been there forever and you are just like, Jaded. yeah, you're just like checked out. And so I think they both, it really comes down to, I think that particular school that you're at, I don't think you can make a sweeping claim about either one because it's going to be based on your administration and who teaches there and, and all that stuff too. So is that it for now? Cause we're at an hour and a half. Mm-hmm. Um, that was way long, but I'm really, I liked it. And thank you First of all, thank you for everyone that, that checked this out. So look, if you're watching, this is part of the rebroadcast. Um, this is my friend Cho. And, well, you would have watched that in the beginning. Anyway, if you have questions, ask them in the comment section below if I did not get to your question because these comments, I think, go away. So ask them. They don't go away, the wife said. So whatever. So I'll try and answer all of them. If you have specific questions for Cho, go ahead and leave those. And she can answer those as well. And that's it. Do we have any asks or anything coming up? If you're in the Chicago area and you're going to be there for the ISTE conference or you live in Chicago, hit me up because we're going to do a meetup while I'm there and I would love to meet you and talk to you and, and stuff. Um, I give you one of my new business. Look, I got fancy new business cards. Oh, Man, look, they have raised lettering. Oh, yeah. They feel nice. <laughs> That's a great ending. All right. Thanks, everybody. Peace. This is the awkward end where it takes me a little And that's it for this week, gang. Look, if you ever want to have your question answered on Sunday Night Teacher Talk, all you have to do is show up at 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on my YouTube channel, Real Rap with Reynolds, and I'd be happy to answer any question that you put out there. Nothing is off the table. Thanks so much for your support. We really, really appreciate it, and I hope you have a great week. Peace.